Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Witness Docs from Stitcher. This is an historic time. This is going to be a multi-year fight. Why is it taking so long to get a screening test? It is not a hoax, it is real. Something that we have never experienced before. Wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. I mean, you're the scientist, you're gonna have to tell me. (laughs) Greetings, greetings, I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is the series that brings you the latest analysis and the science of this pandemic to keep you informed, prepared, and calm. We are still all in this together, my friends. Almost 3 million people have been infected with the COVID-19 virus in the U.S., and that number is rising faster than ever before. We have not yet seen a corresponding spike in the death rate. But even so, the virus has taken nearly 130,000 lives in this country alone. And I've been getting your voicemails and your emails about your experiences during the pandemic, along with a lot of frankly, excellent questions. So please keep those coming. Today, our friend Dr. Celine Gounder is back to help answer a few of those questions. She's an assistant professor of medicine and infectious diseases at New York University, an epidemiologist, and the host of two podcasts, Epidemic and American Diagnosis. Dr. Gounder, Celine, welcome back to Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. It's great to be back. Is it really? A lot has happened. <laughs> a lot has happened since we last spoke uh, in April. Uh, a lot of people have died, and a lot more people almost certainly going to die. But the strange and interesting thing is the number in inf- of infections has gone way up, but the number of deaths hasn't gone way up. And do you know why that is? Well, you may have heard this term lagging indicator. Um, I mean, certainly it's something that we see in the hospital from the time somebody is infected till the time they come and actually see us in the hospital because they're sick. And then the time from there until they actually get really sick and die. um, You know, there's a couple weeks at least in there, um, maybe probably three, four weeks. That is so creepy. I think about, you know, Nick Cordero and his wife, this uh, well-known Broadway actor that died at the age of 41. Man, oh, man. So you you wear scrubs every day. You put on personal protection equipment every day, right? Well, when I go into the hospital, yes, I do wear scrubs every day. Um, and in the hospital, absolutely personal protective equipment. I'm basically wearing an N95 mask from the time I 
come into the hospital until the time I leave. And, you know, that gets to be pretty tiresome after a while of doing that every day. Yeah, you uh, it's breathing is literally difficult. Yeah, it really is. Um, And not to mention, I mean, I think there are other aspects of wearing a mask people don't even think about. There's these little staples on the side of the mask that attach the rubber bands that go around your head. And those over the course of, you know, an 8, 12 plus hour day, those really start to dig in your face. And then you come home and you have these like staple marks on your face from, from wearing that all day. Wow. Have you seen people start to wear masks more? Uh, I see a lot of people wearing masks on their chins. You would think there was a double chin epidemic. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, I just, I think they want to be able to say if somebody pulls them aside, you know, who's enforcing these things. No, see, I have my mask on. I just pulled it down to take a sip of water or whatever it was. Um, And so I think they want to make a show of compliance without actually complying. And I, I think that's really unfortunate because, the masks really do work. They work to protect yourself and protect others. Um, and it's it's by far the most effective intervention we have, better than any drug, any anything else we can do right now is the mask. There's a lot of talk about being inside versus outside. Mm-hmm. Outside mm-hmm. seems to have a much lower transmission rate. Is that uh, a true fact or what I like to whimsically call a false fact? No. I mean, I think there's probably on the order of a 20-fold decrease in risk of transmission if you're outside versus inside. And I think, you know, it wasn't a designed to be a study, but the protests that were that we were seeing in the streets, um, you know, last month, in a way, were a natural experiment in what happens when you have lots of people outside. Now, granted, they were also most of them wearing masks. Um, how does wearing a mask and being outside reduce your risk of transmission? And it seems that that combination actually worked pretty well because we haven't seen big spikes in cases. And it's been far enough out now that we should have been able to see that. We haven't seen big spikes in the cities where they had those protests. So that that's reassuring. It really is. And when you say spikes in, you're talking about spikes in cases, not spikes in deaths. Spikes in cases. Um, but places like New York City where we had protests and where we have very aggressive testing, so we would expect to see it here because we are testing so much. Um, we haven't seen that happen. You know, and I would expect to see it in the hospital. And most of the patients we have with COVID in the hospital now are people who've actually been there a while. They've been there since March or April or May, you know. Yeah. So these are the long haulers, not, you know, not um, people who were recently infected. Wow. Listeners have sent us questions. Great. And uh, I'd like to start with uh, an email from our good friend Jared in the Twin Cities. He says, hi, Bill, love the show. We've been painstakingly wiping down our grocery deliveries during the pandemic. Are we wasting our time? Or is it a good idea to sanitize your stuff, uh, the stuff coming in from from the outside world, before you start using it? So on that one, we probably can back off a bit, I think. I I think the big what I would recommend when you come home from your grocery shopping. He says he's having a big debate, an ongoing debate in their house. (laughs) I would put away your groceries, wash your hands. Well, first wash the surfaces where you unpacked your groceries, your kitchen countertops or whatever, and then wash your hands. And I think that's probably 
plenty. And it's not just protecting you against coronavirus. You know, you might have salmonella or E. coli on your poultry or your meat or whatever it is that you purchased at the store. So I think those are probably good things to be doing even normally. Now, what makes you say that? Is that based on your experience or based on papers you've read? Well, that's based on what we've seen in terms of surfaces that, you know, seem to be less, um, of a factor in terms of transmission of the virus, it seems to really be much more either respiratory or um, skin-to-skin kind of contact, not necessarily contact with surfaces. At least, you know, that's what the data would would imply. There you go. Uh, So here's an email from Julia, speaking of which. She's a rising junior at Rutgers, played a lot of ultimate against Rutgers when I was in school, and she's studying food science. Are there any data on the locations of where the most transmissions of coronaviruses occur, not just the surfaces, but places like the supermarket, hospitals, non-medical facilities. Are people catching it by not socially distancing enough? Well, some of the places that have been, quote-unquote, super spreader events have been things like weddings and birthday parties and, you know, all kinds of other family gatherings and parties. Um, Restaurants and bars have also uh, been linked to many clusters of cases. So if you think about it, these are places where people are around people they know, they figure, oh, I can trust so-and-so. You know, they they just don't have the same level of concern about being infected by people they know than people who are strangers, honestly. Um, you know, and, and I think also with restaurants and, and bars, you're indoors, people are speaking loudly, they're drinking, again, their inhibitions are a little bit suppressed and, you know, you're more likely to do riskier things. So along this line, we have an email from Autumn, Autumn J. Smith. What are the biggest risk factors when you're going to the beach? That's a pretty good question. If you're able to successfully social distance Mm -hmm. and there's ultraviolet radiation and there's a breeze and there's salt water. I mean, I think the beach is like any place outside, outdoors. So your risk is definitely decreased by being outdoors, but it also depends on how close you are to other people. And, you know, we've seen photos, we've, well, we've been to the beach, you know, in the past where beaches can be very crowded places. So are you able to socially distance from people outside of your household bubble uh, and maintain six feet apart from those other people? You know, I think that's the biggest question there. Um, You know, and, and ideally, if you're not, maintaining those distances, are you wearing a mask? Now, I I will confess that might make for some pretty funny suntans by the time you go home from the beach. We also, along with emails, we get voicemails. And uh, Dr. Gounder, when you're here, I just think it's great you as an expert to answer people's questions. Can we roll that voicemail from Gwen? Hi, Science Rules. Uh, My name is Gwen, and I'm calling from San Diego. I just had a question regarding corona and how it's going to affect our future immunity, uh, especially since we're taking all of these precautions to be so, you know, clean and, and take care of ourselves and uh, make sure that we're not in contact, you know, six feet, everything like that. Um, how is this going to affect our future immunity? Will that mean that every time we get sick, we'll be super sick? Or um, will this hopefully someday eradicate viruses uh, from affecting us? Anyways. Thank you guys so much. Love what you do. Oh, Gwen, that's so nice. So, Dr. Gounder, Celine, are we going to lose our immunity because we've kept isolated? 
Well, thank goodness, no. Um, you know, our immune system is something that develops uh, even in the womb and start and, and continues to develop over the course of a lifetime. And it's not like you lose all of that. In fact, you know, there's parts of your immune system, um, things like uh, we call memory T cells. There's parts of your m immune system that have memories of other prior infections. And that's a big part of how vaccines work actually is, is to teach the immune system to have that memory. So no is the answer. Here's a voicemail about, about how we feel. Hey Bill, this is Topher from Pickens, South Carolina. Uh, I guess my question is mental health. What is going to be the long-term effects from long-term isolation? Uh, me, myself, you know, I live out in the middle of the woods. Uh, by myself, me and the dog. <laughs> I can see this getting harder, you know, being away from people, you know, even more so given the remote neck of the woods that I live in. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Thanks. Love the show. So, Celine, you're in the hospital all the time, and you are in many ways isolated from people because you got to wear a mask and scrubs all day. And this guy is isolated physically or geographically. Do you have any thoughts on that? Clinical signs of isolation? I think it's not just a question of isolation, like being physically distant from other people, because there are other ways to have relationships with people. And me, I'm around people all the time. It's just that we're not communicating in normal ways. So I think it's it's not just straight up, are you not around other people? It's what's the quality of the interactions you have? Um, and do you feel like you're honestly part of something bigger than yourself? Um, and so there's a lot of different ways to to accomplish that, you know, and, and we joke about the Zoom happy hours, you know, that we're having um, with with friends. And I, I do think that's an important part of it, actually. Is That is, is no joke, people. <laughs> Just a minute. They're important for mental health to keep up those <sighs> those relationships for sure. Um, but I think also some of it is like, you know, uh, I would say, how can you feel like you're take you have some agency in the situation and that you're doing something perhaps for others? Um, because I think that's also very much a, a piece of how you build and maintain community. We'll be back right after this. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. 
From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. This is from Maria Ford, Mm -hmm. and she's trying to understand uh, immunity. Uh, If a person is immune then to COVID-19, like we've gotten it, you got the antibodies, can you still spread it to others? Are you still potentially dangerous? Does it then relieve you of taking precautions? Well, that's a great question. And we think if you are immune, you probably would not be infectious to others. Um, I mean, the way this this actually plays out is you get re-exposed to the virus and because your immune system attacks it so quickly because now you're immune, um, it cuts short the viral replication. And, and so you never really get sick. Um, and we presume that because that is so short lived, you're probably not having enough virus replicate in you that you could pass it on to somebody else to shed it. Yeah. So she goes on with a good follow-up. She wants to be able to see her elderly parents again. And she says, I'm wondering if exposing myself to COVID-19 and quote, just getting it over with would make that possible. Maria, Ms. Ford, no. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons that's a bad idea. And I know a lot of people have sort of contemplated doing that for numerous different reasons. The problem is, number one, we don't know that you're definitely immune after you have had a COVID infection. We don't know how long that immunity lasts. And you could get very sick and actually potentially get others sick in the process of something like that kind of, you know, exposure. So I I just don't think it's something that we can recommend in that way right now. So we have an email from Tom Walker, who says he's an industrial designer in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I've spent some high quality time. He says, I work closely with engineers and love science and are constantly learning new things. And my wife and I take COVID-19 very seriously and still have not gone to stores or gatherings. However, most of the people in my life, he writes, are not taking the virus seriously, mainly co-workers and relatives. I see them without masks indoors, with others outside without masks, as if they have nothing to worry about. They view me and my family as overreacting and paranoid. I understand the need to get moving, but how can I communicate that this virus is dangerous, if not to them personally by spreading it, can make other people with vulnerabilities be put in harm's way. What can I do, he asks. People do not listen until they are personally affected by it. Very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, doctors like me have been harping on this for months now. And I think, unfortunately, this has become politicized in a way that it's almost like the science doesn't matter. It's more about here is my tribe and the way that I communicate loyalty to my tribe is by saying this is what I believe about the virus. And signaling, they call it. You're signaling to your tribe members that you're like-minded. And I think, unfortunately, 
unfortunately, especially when it comes to masks, I mean, even Goldman Sachs has come out and said the most important thing we could do to protect our economy right now, we'd probably save about a 5% hit to our GDP, is if we all wore masks. I mean, this is this is not a debate about science. This is not, I mean, even from an economic perspective, it's very straightforward. It, it's become a political symbol in a way that's really dangerous. We have... I think a very subversive email from Andrew Donson, who says he's a historian of early 20th century Germany. And he's got a list of questions here that have to do with the trade-off between social distancing and other measures and the cost in lives and the cost to the economy and the benefits to everybody who would benefit from a healthy economy. So he writes, because of social distancing, 20% of working Americans have lost their jobs. Tens of millions of people and their families are now hungry, standing in bread lines. Social distancing has stripped children of adequate education. Loneliness, already a public health issue, has increased several fold. Humans are social animals who never evolved to be living alone. We've weigh, we're weighing saving lives against social and economic damage. And he says he's a liberal, but he understands why conservatives are angry that liberals have ignored what he calls this question. Do you have any opinion about this, except it sounds like wear a mask? Yeah, I mean, I think the framing of the question is all wrong because it's framed as public health versus the economy. It's you won't have an economy without public health. If you have people dying the way they were in New York back in March and April, people won't be going to restaurants. Um, you know, because they'll be dead. They'll be dead or dying or in the hospital or just plain too scared to go out. Um, so, you know, I think what we got wrong is we really needed to lock down a lot more aggressively throughout the country all at once in concerted fashion, the way a lot of other countries did. And then as we lifted those lockdown measures to have a plan B, which was things like wearing masks. Um, and, you know, that doesn't prevent us from going to school or working, but you need to suppress the transmission enough to get to that point. And we missed that opportunity. And now we've let things rebound tremendously. And now conversations about can we go back to school safely in the fall? I mean, we had our opportunity here over the spring and summer, and we really blew it. What is it we can, in your opinion, what is it we can do right now to help everybody get through this? I mean, I think the sad reality is that we probably need to reinstitute lockdown measures in many parts of the country. We need to rein this in, get this suppressed enough that then the wearing of masks and, and you know, those kinds of more simple measures would be enough to contain it. You know, things like testing, contact tracing, and wearing masks would really be at the forefront of our conversation right now if we had done the right thing in the last couple months. So what we want to do is reset the right thing. Is that what I understand? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We need to go back to, you know, the beginning of square one, but even before square one because that's how much we've allowed this to, to, to propagate at this point. Is there a time, in your opinion, coming where people are going to be issued citations for not wearing masks? Yeah, I do think that is in our, in our future. Um, and I think it, I, I hope there's some thought given to how that's done, because I think if you're giving citations to people, well, for example, a person of color, a man of color who's afraid to wear a mask because of racial profiling or to 
somebody who just can't afford them or isn't given those masks in their place of work, I, you know, you have to be a little bit careful how that's instituted. I would love to see, though, a um, system where you, the fine you were charged would increase exponentially, just like the virus increases exponentially. I think that would be a great lesson for people about a uh, viral transmission. What if you're caught multiple times, you mean? Yeah. Whoa. If you're a repeat offender. (laughs) Whoa. Okay, this leads us to a cool email, I think, from Kyle, Mm -hmm. who writes, uh, I'm an essential worker in manufacturing studying for a mechanical engineering degree. Right on. Are there any data to suggest correlation between government spending on healthcare infrastructure and the hospitalization or death rate? from COVID-19. Did the countries that invest more in healthcare before this epidemic have better outcomes? Does this give us some ways to mitigate a future pandemic? Yeah, it's a little bit tough to make those precise correlations because it depends a little bit on where you're investing your money in the health system. So just because you bought a lot more MRI scanners, for example, does not mean that you were better equipped to deal with COVID. But I, I do think in general, Governments that have spent more on public health um, and surveillance, they have done better. You know, countries, for example, like Singapore or South Korea that mounted these armies of contact tracers um, and have done massive testing since very early on uh, have fared much better. So that does seem to be a worthwhile investment here. This is from Lynette DeBell. Is COVID-19 an evolutionary pressure? That is, I guess, does it produce evolutionary pressure? Will it change us as a species? Well, some of that depends on which, who dies at the highest rate. So the 1918 Spanish flu, one of the things that was really interesting about that flu is it was a lot of young people, you know, people in their 20s and 30s who were dying from that. And those are people who are normally getting pregnant, having kids, passing on their genetics. So If the people who are dying are older, it's going to have less evolutionary pressure than if it's uh, killing people of of what we would call reproductive age. So, you know, I think that remains to be seen because the first cases, first deaths that we had in this country were more concentrated among older people. And and now we're starting to see a lot more cases among younger people. And we just don't know if they're going to see the same levels of death in, in that younger group as we saw earlier on. You're running the show right now. You're in charge. Is there anything or a few things you want everybody to know? Oh, I mean, I think 100% the most, number one, number two, number three thing, most important things you could be doing right now is to wear a mask when you are leaving your home, when you're outside your home. I think by far that is the thing that seems to make a huge impact on transmission um, and that might actually save lives here. There you go, everybody. Dr. Gounder says, wear a mask. It ain't coming from me. Our guest today has been Dr. Celine Gounder. She's an assistant professor of medicine and infectious diseases at New York University, an epidemiologist and host of the podcast Epidemic and American Diagnosis. Leave us a voicemail with your questions. The number is 201-472-0785. That's 201 201- 472-0785. You can also write in at your homepage, askbillnye.com. We're recording new episodes right now. This week, we've got Eric Hazeltine.
They'll be talking about neuroscience and behavior, research and development at Disney, and interrogating the Taliban. It's going to be fascinating. I'm Bill Nye, and my friends, this is a pandemic. It's worldwide. We are all still in this together. And still, science rules. If you like Science Rules Coronavirus Edition, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It helps us out. It helps other people learn about the show. Thank you. Science Rules Coronavirus Edition is produced by Witness Docs from Stitcher. The show is produced by Harry Huggins and our own Corey S. Powell. Our editor is Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer is once again Luz Fleming, who also mixed this episode. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. Special thanks to Casey Halford. Chris Bannon is the chief content officer here at Stitcher. And as I mentioned earlier, at Stitcher, science rules. One more thing. Oh, wait. Three more things. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. And when a contact tracer calls you, pick up the phone. Wash your hands! Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.